Well, we're going to be in John chapter 16 and Acts 1 this morning, mostly in John chapter 16. If you've got your Bible and you want to follow along, I would highly encourage that. In 1985, who wasn't even born in 1985? Let me see. <laughs> All these people not born in 1985. That was my junior year of high school. That tells you how old I am. In 1985, Burger King did a, a, an ad campaign, and it was centered around a man named Herb. Now, all of the commercials, they never showed Herb. We didn't know who Herb was, but they kept talking about this guy named Herb, who was obviously the last adult human being on the planet who had never eaten a Burger King Whopper. And they, they played these ads for months and they built up this anticipation for who is this Herb character. It even spawned uh, some contests. You could win $5,000 if, if you knew where Herb was or you knew who Herb was, but nobody could win because nobody knew who Herb was. Uh, pop culture got involved and you would see people walking around with t-shirts that say, I'm Herb or I'm not Herb. If you went to Burger King and you told them that you weren't Herb, they'd, they'd give you a, burg, uh, a Whopper for 99 cents. So it became this cultural phenomenon for a while. Who is Herb? We had to know who was Herb. Was he some kind of hermit that lived out in the middle of nowhere that had no contact with, with people? So obviously he had never heard of the awesomeness of Burger King Whoppers. Or maybe he was some kind of rebel, antisocial person who just refused to conform to the fact that everybody wanted a Whopper. We didn't know. They ran these ads, and the more they ran them, the more people wanted to know who's Herb and where's Herb. Now, in January of 1986, Burger King decided to let us know who Herb was. During a Super Bowl commercial, they were going to unveil, and you were going to see Herb for the first time. Now, remember, this has been going on for months, and they've been building up this, this hype for who Herb was. And you see the commercial, and there are people just cheering as, as, as you can't see them, but you just see these feet kind of walking up towards a Burger King, and people are cheering, and then the, the shot goes inside of the Burger King. The, the doors are swinging open, and this is the grand entry of Herb. And you could literally feel the shudder of disappointment <laughs> that just spread across the nation. Because Herb was nothing exciting. Herb was a, a middle-aged white guy. Herb didn't live up to the hype. And very quickly after this, Herb, his commercials, and anything to do with Herb was gone and nobody cared. We're continuing a lesson series this morning called The God I Never Knew, how the Holy Spirit operates in the lives of believers today. And this morning, our lesson is called The Grand Entry. The Grand Entry. And I'm telling you that um, the Holy Spirit's not going to disappoint. The Holy Spirit's not a herb. He was more 
than we thought he was going to be. And Jesus was the hype man for the Holy Spirit. And when he made this grand entrance, he did not disappoint. And he met every expectation. So I want us to look at this morning the ad campaign, so to speak, that Jesus was running before the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right, so we're going to be in John chapter 16. And let me just say that uh, some of these verses I'm using, Pastor Sam used last week. Uh, If you were not here last week, I'd highly encourage you to go to the website, go to the Church Center app. You can listen to the the sermon from last week because he did a great job laying out the theological understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. All right, so in John chapter 16, verse 7, and I'm going to read most of this out of the Passion Translation Then I'm going to switch to the the Amplified. And the only reason I'm doing that is because sometimes we hear these scriptures so much, they just kind of pass over us. But when things are said just a little bit differently, we can grab a little nugget of truth out of it, okay? So in uh, John 16, verse 7, it says, But here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. Okay, here's the first thing that that Jesus is selling. It's better that Jesus not be here. You hear that? Jesus said, it's better that I not be here. Now, he's talking to to a bunch of Jewish men who, from the beginning of time, basically, God's people had been waiting on this Messiah. In in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve had, had fallen, God began to prophesy about this coming Messiah. And all the prophets throughout the whole Old Testament were prophesying about this Messiah coming He's finally here. We have finally found the one. And he goes, I'm leaving. I'm gone. It's better that I not be here. How is it better? How could it be better for him to go away? (laughs) Because God would no longer be living among us, but he would be dwelling in us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? It's better that Jesus go away because we are now the house of the presence of God. We are. We carry the presence of God with us. The divine encourager lives inside of you. Listen to me. The divine encourager, as the scripture said, that when Jesus left, he would send the divine encourager, and now the divine encourager lives in you. Do you need to be encouraged? Do you need to be encouraged? Now, as was pointed out last week, this word here, encourager, it's paraclete. That's the Greek word, paraclete. And it can be translated several different ways into English. It can be translated as helper. Do you need help? Some of you really need help. The helper is dwelling inside of you. It can be translated as comforter. 
Do you need to be comforted? Is there something going on in your life that is just stirring up all kinds of stuff and I need to be comforted? The paraclete is here to comfort you. It can be translated as advocate. Do you need somebody to step in for you? And it can be translated as strengthener. Do you need strength? You see, it's better that Jesus went away because the encouraging, helping, comforting, strengthening, advocating power of the Holy Spirit now dwells in the people of God. Man, that's a whole lot better than y'all are. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Man, there should be some excitement when we start to think that the presence of God lives inside of us. I don't have to go somewhere to find God. He's here. All I need to do is recognize who I am in Christ Jesus. But the lies and confusion of this present age, it brings fear and it brings feelings of hopelessness. But we don't have to be swayed by the murmurings of this world. When I was 12 years old, uh, my parents got this invitation in the mail to, to go and, and see a timeshare. And if you went and saw the timeshare, you got entered in to win, win a television. So I guess they had nothing else to do on a Saturday. So they are going to go. And uh, my little sister was going to go with them. So I'm 12. I get to stay at the house by myself, okay? I've got a few hours of freedom here. I think it was about an hour drive there. It was about an hour presentation and an hour back. So three hours I was going to be by myself. You remember that scene from Risky Business when uh, uh, Tom Cruise is sliding and just take those old records off? Think about that, but in a 12-year-old pudgy little kid, okay? I'm by myself. And for three hours, I'm enjoying the freedom. But three hours go by. Four hours go by. I'm starting to get nervous. We're coming up on five hours. I was absolutely convinced that I had missed the rapture. <laughs> because that's all they ever talked about when I was a kid was the rapture. I was convinced that I had missed the rapture. I was terrified. I really was, but you know what? I'm not moved by fear anymore because the comforter lives in me. I'm not moved like that anymore because the comforter lives in me. I'm not afraid when the news says that, that our country is falling apart. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not concerned about some things that I see, but I'm not going to be gripped by fear. Because the comforter lives inside of me. You remember back in the year 2000? 1999, we're going to party like it's 1999, right? And they told us, the moment that all the computers roll over, that, that, that none of the computers can handle it, everything is going to fall apart. The power grids are going to stop. Basically, the, the whole Western world was going to be thrown back into the Stone Ages. You remember this? I, 
I actually knew people that started digging shelters in their backyard. So they, they, they could hide. So they, they could hide food. Because the whole world was going to fall apart and I'm going to have to fight for something. But you know what? I even, I even heard prophets saying, oh, it's going to be worse than you think it is. It's going to be so bad because God has come to judge this nation. I heard these things. But you know what? The Holy Spirit inside of me said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm watching all of these people just run around. For those of you that aren't even 20 years old, I'm sure you can remember last year, okay? We can go back to last year when everybody's hoarding food and toilet paper. And everybody's saying, you know, there's, there's going to be a food shortage. We're not going to have enough food. We're not going to have enough this. But the Holy Spirit is saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So when we listen to the Holy Spirit, he will comfort us. Romans 8.14 says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Not moved by the impulses of a newscast or what's going on in, in our country. We're moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not 12 years old anymore. Contrary to popular belief. My comforter leads me and advises me. All right, look at verse 8 there in John chapter 16 says, and he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment. It's better that Jesus leave because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to change all the rules. He's changing all the rules. Listen to this. Before Jesus... Um, before Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came, with only just a few exceptions, God worked exclusively through the Jewish nation. But now it says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world. Yes. The world. He's now come for the whole world. It's no longer limited to the Jewish race, but salvation through Christ is available to the whole world. And that word convict right there, the Greek word for convict can be translated convince. And I actually think that's a, a better word because when we hear convict, we think of a, a judge and a jury banging a gavel. You're wrong. You're this. You're that. But the word convince, if you read it that way, he's come to convince us of something. Verse 9 says about sin and the true nature of it. Remember, verse 8 said that we need a Savior. He's come to convince us that we need a Savior and about sin and the true nature of it because they do not believe in me and my message. The Holy Spirit convinces anybody and everybody who doesn't believe about the nature of sin and their need for a Savior. You've been convinced? Thank God I've been convinced. I'm not going to tell the whole story. I know everybody starts groaning when I start telling the story. But September the 23rd, 1987. 
just every seven o'clock in the morning. The Holy Spirit chose that day to convince me. It was the most unlikely day because I'd just spent three days partying. But the Holy Spirit showed up and said, you need a savior, boy. And I am so glad that I listened. So glad that I listened. But once we believe, he no longer has to convince us of sin. Now he's convincing us of righteousness. Are you hearing that? The Holy Spirit does not have to come along and beat you over the head with sinner, 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 sinner. Well, guess what? Do we blow it? Yeah, of course we do. Of course we do. But the Holy Spirit doesn't have to come and convince me that I'm a sinner. He convinced me that I was a sinner once and that I was in need of a Savior. But now that I believe, he's come to convince me of righteousness. That's not who I recreated you to be. Verse 10 says, and about righteousness, personal integrity, and godly character. Because I'm going to my Father, and you will no longer see me. What was Jesus saying? He's he's telling the disciples that I'm no longer going to be here to remind you who you now are. I'm no longer going to be here to lead you along these paths of righteousness that I've been walking with you. Now that's the Holy Spirit's job. The revelation that when I stumble... That God is not beating me up because of sin changed my life. It changed my life because I would sin. I would mess up. I would do something that I knew was outside of the character of God. And then I would allow all this condemnation and shame to come and sit on me and tell me what a rotten person I was, how no good I was, how I was never going to get free. Oh, you're always going to do this. You're always going to be like this. And I thought that was God speaking to me. But then the revelation that that's not the way the Holy Spirit does with the children of God changed the way that I thought. Because that shame and condemnation would make me want to hide from God. But you know what? When the Holy Spirit starts to convince us of righteousness, when he starts to say, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. And then my heart starts to say, that's not who I am. And instead of pushing away from God, I run to God. When I mess up, I run to daddy. I don't have to hide from him. So, as Romans chapter 8 says, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. No accusing voice from the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling accused and condemned, it's from the enemy, not God. But the condemnation is actually reserved for the enemy. I'll go ahead and read this last verse right here. John 16, 11 says, and about judgment... The certainty of it, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged and condemned. He's already been judged. He's already been condemned. All right, so the third thing that Jesus was advertising would happen when the Holy Spirit came was a big dose of truth. A big dose of truth. John 16, 13 
says, but when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father. And he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. If we will listen to the Holy Spirit, he will unveil the reality of every truth that we need. The problem comes when the voice of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is not our source of truth. See, this book right here, it says that Scripture was God-breathed. The Holy Spirit breathes on this, and it brings life to us. And the Holy Spirit can speak to us through the words here, or he can speak directly to us, and that must be our source of truth. And it's easy to say amen. Well, yes, of course. The Bible is our source of truth. Okay, so... Political pundits cannot be our source of truth. You hear me? The daily horoscope cannot be your source of truth. I'm going way out on a ledge here. The pastor cannot be your source of truth. Now, hopefully we're bringing some truth, but it's the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit through his word that is our source of truth of truth. Here's the last one. The facts of our situation cannot be our source of truth. Listen to that again. The facts of our situation cannot be our source of truth. Why? Because facts change. Truth doesn't change. It was a fact Before September the 23rd, 1987, I was dead, I was lost, I was headed to hell. That was a fact. But guess what? That fact changed just the very next day. Truth didn't change. The fact changed. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. You may be going through some tough stuff. We all go through tough stuff. And we want to be here to walk through you with the tough stuff. But you cannot focus on the facts of the, of the tough stuff. You've got to focus on the truth of the word of God. Well, you know, I, I don't have a job right now. That's a fact. Yeah, it might be a fact, but you know what? The truth is, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I've got some sickness and disease going on in my body. That might be a fact. But the, the truth is, he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God that heals you. Don't let the facts get in the way of the truth. He will reveal every truth that we need. The ESV says that he will guide us into all truth. The Greek word there for guide is to lead, to go alongside. You hear this? To go alongside. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going with us. Sometimes we think of, of guidance, you know, like I'm asking for direction. They go, well, go down there. 
And that's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit says, come with me. He will walk through us as he guides us into all truth. Uh, The scripture says that he won't speak out of his own, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. Now catch that. The eye hadn't seen it, the ear hadn't heard it, and the heart, the heart hadn't figured it out. Not even imagined it yet, Right? what God has prepared for those who love him. And so many people read that scripture and they just want to stop right there. You see, the Bible says that that my eye can't see it, my my ear can't hear it, my heart hadn't figured out what God has for me. The end, amen. But the scripture goes on. There's a verse 10 there. Verse 10 says, these things, what things? The things that my eye has not seen, that my ear has not heard, that my heart has not even imagined yet. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Are y'all listening to this? The depths of God. Well, I don't deserve the depths. Well, what do you need to do to deserve the depths? I didn't think we really deserved anything, right? That's called mercy. We don't get what we do deserve, and and grace is we get what we don't deserve. You deserve it because you're a child of God, and if you need some deep truth, the Holy Spirit is there to to dig into the depths of God, and he's going to come out with things that you've never seen, never heard, and couldn't even think up. Because that's the God that we serve. All right, have you ever had deep truth that hit you so hard that it changed the way that you saw the world? Have you? Anybody remember when you found out that Santa Claus wasn't real? Do you remember? I was eight years old. Eight years old, and my little sister, my six-year-old sister, told me there was no Santa Claus. And I said, you're a liar, because Mama told me there was a Santa Claus. And I walked in there, and I said, Mama, this little spawn of Satan over here told me that there was no Santa Claus. And I could tell by the look on my mother's face that the spawn of Satan was right. It changed everything. It changed the way that I thought of everything. And you know what else it did? It took away the one thing that my parents could use to get me to act right. (laughs) Santa Claus is not going to come see you. doesn't matter. He's not real. I'm going to do whatever I want to do now. In the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets, but now the Holy Spirit has come, and we can all hear the voice of God and have truth revealed to us. All right, now I'm going to flip over to to Acts chapter 1. 
And we're going to see our, our last point here. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be seized with power. You will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, and even to the remotest places on earth. Here's Jesus' last promise about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, we will be empowered to be the message. We will be empowered to be the message. No wonder the world's going to hell. (laughs) Our lives intertwined with the power of the Holy Spirit expressed through the heart of someone that has been comforted, strengthened, convinced of righteousness, and entrusted with truth is the most consistent witness that those around us will ever experience. And when we realize that, our heart will start to burn. And then comes the grand entry. The last scripture I'm going to read, Acts 2, 2. And suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. This is not Herb showing up. This is not a disappointment after after months of of it being hyped and, and built up. This was not a disappointment. When the Holy Spirit showed up, everybody knew it. And it changed everything. It changed the church. It changed people. So the Holy Spirit's grand entrance was not a letdown. It was a power appropriation from Jesus to his church. It was a shift from one anointed man to every believer anointed to be messengers. It was the opening up of the good news to whosoever will. It was the very presence of God taking up residence in us. It was an adoption ceremony. (laughs) Think about that. It was an adoption ceremony that brought us into the kingdom of heaven as children of God. You know, I could go on and on about the the entry of the Holy Spirit and how it changed everything. But the biggest question is, has he changed you? Has he changed you? Have you allowed him to convince you of sin and rescue you from spiritual death? I know a lot of people tell me, well, you know, I, I did that in children's church. And that's great. That's great. But I'm telling you, there's something about I know the date and I know the time. 
and I can drive you right outside of Greenville, Texas, and I can show you the place. Because I think they built like some kind of monument out there or something. (laughs) Has he convinced you that you need a savior? Have you allowed him to comfort and strengthen you when you're hurt and weak? Have you allowed him to reveal truth to you and expose lies that you've believed? Lies about you, maybe lies about God. I'm just gonna throw this in because I got 46 seconds. I was absolutely convinced that I couldn't have a a relationship with the heavenly father because I had such a poor relationship with my earthly father. And even though I, I, I didn't say that out of my mouth, it's the way I live my life. But when I realized who God really was, the deep truth changed the way that I thought. Are you living as someone who is anointed to be the messenger of hope to this world? And if you answered no to any of those, if you answered no to, I've never really made a, a, a connection with Jesus. If you answered no to, I'm, I'm living in, in hurt and weakness and I, I'm, I'm not being comforted. If you said no to, uh, truth is not exposing the lies that I've been believing. And if you're saying no to, I don't recognize that I'm anointed to be the messenger. Today's your day. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to be, be, be a little bit bold, okay? If you said no to any of these, can Jesus meet you? Can the Holy Spirit meet you right where you are? Well, of course, <laughs> he's omnipresent. But there's something about making a step that says, I mean it this time, Lord. But if you are struggling If you're hurting and you need somebody to pray with you, there are wonderful men and women of God that want to pray with you. But you may just be saying, I just need to make a step. You can just say, God, this time I mean it. God, this time I really need you. I don't want to go around this mountain again. And if nothing else, our heart should burn and say, I want so much of the Holy Spirit that I truly am a messenger to those around me. Just by the way that I live. So Father, I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus, I thank you that you left. I thank you that you recognized what we did not recognize. That it was better for you to go away. But when you went, you sent everything that we needed in the person of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you convince us this morning. Convince us this morning of who we are in Christ Jesus. Convince us this morning that you are our helper, that you are our strengthener, that you are our comforter, that you are our advocate. 
And I ask that there would be such a love for you, such an appreciation for what you've done for us, that you're saying, I just need more of the Holy Spirit because I need him just to leak off of me. I need him to drip off of me so I can truly be a messenger. In Jesus' name, amen.